And welcome in to this week's edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Ryan the Hacker Green with you. Glad you are with us. Joined by Denny Thompson of the Sports Den. Denny, the middle of June. You wouldn't think a lot would be going on in the world of Gator athletics. Uh, Unfortunately, there was a pretty interesting piece of uh, off-the-field news involving a former Gator. Uh, we will get to certainly a terrible story involving former Gator safety Tony Joyner. But yet there is recruiting news. There's a couple of former Gators here in Jaguar minicamp doing some things. So as we're creeping closer to college football season, more and more things are starting to uh, become more relevant. And certainly there's still a lot to talk about here in the summer months. Well, I think that's um, media and all that. Like this recruiting thing has become year-round. Oh, yeah, It's, it's kind of getting on my nerves a little bit, actually, but. Well, and, and let's start there. You and I do a lot on recruiting. You do a ton with recruiting. You know a lot of these guys I really personally. Don't. That's but, the but, thing. but you know them, though. Yeah, I know. You, you them, know but... them and you know the game. I talk to a lot of these guys, and we're assuming Gator fans, a lot of Gator fans, listen to Gator Bites here on the Florida Gator podcast on the 1010XL.com podcast network. So we'll talk to you directly. There are a lot of you that, quite frankly, are unhappy with the job Dan Mullen and his coaches are doing on the recruiting trail. And, Denny, maybe unhappy is not fair, but I think Gator fans in Jacksonville are frustrated because they see all these local guys going to Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Florida State, Georgia Tech, among those uh, other schools. They see Miami, Florida State, Georgia getting a lot of the top talent out of the state of Florida. What do you tell Gator fans that even though Florida is ranked in the top ten of the recruiting rankings nationally according to to 24-7 sports, there are a lot of Gator fans that are not happy with some of the things that have transpired over the last couple of weeks. couple things. A, first, start this way. If you're happy with Florida finishing in the top ten in the country, then why are you not happy with Florida finishing in the top ten in recruiting? Like, that that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like, like everybody was ecstatic about last year on the field. Why are you going to let something off the field even bring you down? Why are you giving a second thought? Like, the difference, I think what most people need to realize, the difference in a three-star and a four-star kid is an inch. It is a one-one-hundredth of a second. It's where he plays high school ball. It's did his coach put him in situations to where his film looks good for evaluation. It's tiny things. Well, and I think that's important, and I think you're right. I mean, I get so many questions about why is Ford only getting this three-star guy or that three-star guy. And here's a prime example. The Gators just got their first two offensive line commits in the last week, one of them, Gerald Mincy, out of Fort Lauderdale, who I know had a lot of offers, including Georgia, and and Florida ultimately commits to the Gators. But they were two three-star offensive linemen. Since those three-star offensive linemen committed to Florida, Jalen Rivers here locally, a four-star offensive lineman out of Oak Leaf, committed to Miami. And then you had the big tackle, Braun, out of Live Oak, committing to Georgia. So you got a four-star out of Live Oak going to the Dogs, you got a four-star out of the Jacksonville area going to Miami. Gator fans are frustrated. Why can't we get those guys? Why are we settling, in their eyes, for the three-star prospects? Well, okay, let's take each one of those for a second because I've got a little bit of history with each one. So, Braun was at Florida when I was at Florida in February. And I think I thought it was common knowledge that if his brother didn't transfer to Florida from Georgia Tech, he probably wasn't going to go to Florida. I thought that was common knowledge. Now, he kept Florida in there, but his brother went to Texas. Mm. And so you kind of lost momentum on that, right? And then the kid that committed this week, 
I was actually at Florida on Friday. Um, I, I trained Anthony Richardson at his school, Gainesville Eastside, and then w- ran over to Florida uh, to get some stuff done over there. And so they were having all these camps. They were having like a, an elite camp. They were having a 7-on-7 camp. They were having a big man camp all right there. And so I saw this kid. I was talking to Coach Johnson, and he walked over, and they were about to take him up to Coach Mullen, where I assumed that he was committing at that time. You're talking about Yavinier or Mincy? The kid I think from Mincy. Mincy, yeah. I, I mean, massive big, kid. Big kid, yep. Massive kid. So if you put those three guys, and Jalen Rivers being the, the local guy, who I don't think Florida – I told you from jump, I didn't think Florida was in it with him. Florida ever. fans, the ones that I've talked to were frustrated because Rivers and Chance Williams, the two four-star Oakleaf guys. Now, Williams hasn't committed yet. Rivers did commit to Miami. I think the only frustration there, Denny, is that at least the top five, both Rivers and Williams tweeted out a couple of months ago, did include the Gators. So that gave Florida fans false hope that maybe they could sway those kids to so would you? So if you're a Gator fan, not you, Hacker, but if you're a Gator fan, would you rather not make the top five? I, I agreed. No, I hear you. I, I, just, I don't understand this at all. I, I, it, it baffles me because the odds are that one of those offensive linemen is going to get their four-star before the season. So now, okay, you got a four-star. Is it really that freaking important? It is not to you and me because we do it for a living. For the average Gator, and, and you got to take that into consideration. For the average college football fan that maybe doesn't know the star system, well, Georgia gets a four-star out of Live Oak. Miami gets a four-star out of Jacksonville. What on earth is Dan Mullen and the Gators doing? I don't think the average the average college football fan gives a crap about any of this. Really? I think the average college football fan only cares about what happens on Saturdays. You're talking about... Twitter has made us think that this 5% of people are the average fan. They're not. They're, they're, they're the definition of fan. They're fanatics. And they're reading into every little thing. And in today's culture, it's more important for you to be able to troll other teams than it is for you to be able to pull for your team in something like this. And so they see Georgia and they see Alabama and they're like, well, what the hell's going on? What's going on is you're having a solid recruiting class. Yeah, Florida's a top 10 class right now. But, you know, you bring it locally. And, and I'll give you credit because we talked about this when this podcast started months ago when a lot of these guys were uncommitted. And you said at that time you did not think Florida was going to do very well in the Jacksonville area for the class of 2020. I get Gator fans' frustrations here in Jacksonville. Carson Beck, Mandarin, he's on his way to Georgia. Jeff Sims, quarterback Sandalwood, on his way to Florida State. Uh, both corners at, at Trinity, Miles Brooks to Georgia Tech, Fred Davis to Clemson. All Jay, three. All three. And now, now Jaquiz Jaw- Robinson. Yeah, Jaw- yeah. Robinson, Alabama. He's going to Alabama. You got um, – we just had Jalen Rivers to Miami. Bottom line is what may be the best class in northeast Florida, the class of 2020, maybe in over a decade, uh, Florida hasn't gotten any of them, and Florida probably won't get any of them. So if you're a Gator fan in Jacksonville and you see 10, 12, four-star type prospects – all going places other than Florida, I get why you're saying, well, what the heck? What's going on? Why isn't Dan Mullen and the Gator coaching staff doing a better job in their own backyard? Well, and, and there's a there's a whole list of reasons. I mean, a whole it, – it, it's from a facility standpoint, and Florida is doing something to correct this. They're behind. They're, they're behind. And when you're talking about kids who are going to see Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, those are – those are the whatever the best hotel. I don't really stay in those, but whatever the best hotels there are, that that's what these these are. And and Florida is more like a, a a Marriott, like like I mean it's nice, right? And you're safe and you're good. Now the Miami question, I don't know. I don't know what Miami has to sell. I, I really I'm, I'm confused by Miami, and I, 
Miami's coming here the last two years. Jeremiah Payton out of Fletcher last yeah. year. Now Jalen Rivers out of Oak Leaf this year. They've had success the last really four or five years here. Yeah, you, you go, go Will back, Mallory, yeah. You go Mallory, you go Pinckney, Quarterman. Quarterman. Um, Norton from, from Trinity. Um, I don't know what they're selling. I, I, I'm slow to tip my hat to Miami on anything right now. I it just I'm stubborn. <laughs> But I don't know what the hell you sell. That's a personal stance yes, for Denny it Thompson. Is. You don't have facilities. You don't have fans. You don't, I don't know what you're selling. So good job. Good and and what's his name? Nevin Shapiro's in jail. Yeah. So I, I mean, whatever you're selling is working. That's great. Awesome. But Florida fans, just relax. Because here's the thing: you start out the way you think you're going to start out the year, and you're going to forget about this. And now all of a sudden, you're having these major visits in front of a packed swamp, which we all know is one of the best environments in college football and now you start to get guys like it's a momentum thing you can't expect somebody to come in and snap their finger and get right to it this is gator bites on the 1010xl.com podcast network he is denny thompson i'm the hacker ryan green and we are glad you are with us this week here on 1010xl.com all right so that's the recruiting aspect of things i did want to focus a little time we've talked a lot about felipe franks we've talked a lot about the deficiencies along the Gator offensive line. They're going to try to get those figured out. Again, they have to replace four starters off of last year's team. But you look at the wide receivers, Danny, and we've spent a little bit of time on the wide receivers this spring heading into the summer. When you look at Trevon Grimes, Van Jefferson, Tyree Cleveland, also Josh Hammond in there, and Kadarius Toney, those are five what I think could be potential stars in the Gator offense. you got five of them. I can't remember the last time Florida had five viable weapons in the passing game at the wide receiver position. Could we be saying that in the last 10, 15, even 20 years, this may be the best Gator group of wide receivers that has been in Gainesville in that time? Hmm. How many years did you say? Well, I mean, I'm going past 10 because that's not saying that, a that, That's a given. All right. So then you go to Percy Harvin, Riley Cooper, Lewis Murphy, that group, I don't know if there's a Percy Harvin in this bunch, but I think collectively this group potentially might be better you, than what you got from Cooper and Murphy and Harvin. You probably have an argument as far as depth. That's what depth, you mean, right? yes. I, Quantity I mean, instead of quality. Right. You probably have an argument, but, man, I, I Percy Harvin was special. He was special. He was special. I mean, just what he brought. And, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but you got to put Aaron Hernandez in there. Like, I mean, yeah. that guy was all over the place, right? I mean, he wasn't just your typical tight end. Um, he was split out wide. He, heck, they had him at running back. So, I mean, well, that was the Patriots that did that, wasn't it? Did Florida use him at Yeah, a little bit of halfback because they would do the shovel pass every once yeah. in a while. So, I mean, you got to put him in there. Um, I, I I would I would say it's, it's in the conversation, which is a big step forward to what we've been. Well, there you go. Even to consider this group of wide receivers in the same conversation with that group 10, 12 years ago, is saying basically the point of this, Florida's got some really good options at wide receiver. I think Kadarius Tony is set for a massive year this year. Like, I think the way – what I've seen down there and the way they're attacking downfield, like, Kadarius Tony underneath is so dangerous. Like, you just want to get the ball in his hands and let him roll. Well, man, you've got – if you've got the running game that we all think that they're going to have if the line holds up and you've got the deep passing threat – and so you're making people bail at the snap, and you give that guy a little bit of room, man, he could, he could be set up to have a huge year. Grimes looks really good. And I, and I keep saying the guy's name, the Lucas Kroll guy. Like, watch out. 
Like he's going to open up a lot of things because from a personnel standpoint, and I think really that's where Florida's way ahead of the game from where they've been, is in football, if you bring in certain personnel, the defense has to adjust. And so you bring in this big tight end, they've got to adjust. They've got to bring another linebacker. They really can't nickel that up because you're going to run through them, right? So now all of a sudden you've got a mismatch with him. And I, that's something I can't remember the last time Florida's been able to exploit. They've had it at tight end, but they haven't had the quarterback to get him the ball. Yeah, he's a big physical guy, no question about that. You know, it's it's interesting. We spent so much time on Van Jefferson and Tyree Cleveland and Trevon Grimes, mentioning Darius Tony. Is Josh Hammond, who's coming into his senior year, Josh Hammond's had a decent career, maybe not a great career, but a decent career. I almost think he is the guy that you never talk about. Yeah. Yet I think Josh Hammond could have a really big year as well. Yeah, I don't know that he's going to get the the targets, though. I mean, there's only one ball. Right, right. You've got two running backs you've got to feed. You've got a tight end. You've got four other receivers. It's a good problem to have. He may be the guy that – he may be like the the guy that at the end of the year we go, man, he had six or seven critical grabs, like huge catches. He may be that guy, but I don't think he's going to be a 50 or 60 catch guy. Like, I just I just don't think there's enough there's enough targets to go around. You know, we were talking about this on XL Primetime not that long ago. Florida State, their biggest problem, well, they have a lot of problems, but their biggest problem is what Clemson is doing. Clemson is just scorching the earth with everything they do right now. Winning national titles on the field, getting five-star after five-star after five-star on the recruiting trail. It's almost not fair what Dabo Sweeney and Clemson are doing. I don't know if Florida necessarily has that problem per se because they don't deal with Alabama, but they do deal with Georgia. And the question I asked Joe and Matt and Leon was, is Florida closer to Georgia and Alabama than Florida State is to Clemson? What's your reaction to that? I think it's about the same because I I think if you look at it, this whole Clemson shift just took place two years ago, really, three years ago against Florida State. Those games were nail biters. Um, this Alabama thing's been going on a while. People have been chasing Alabama. Really, here's the question. James and I talked about this on the Sports Den, too. you got to ask yourself, what are your expectations as a Florida fan? Because if your expectations are to just make the SEC championship, if that's your goal, just, just to make it, then Georgia is your big hurdle. If your expectation is to make the college football playoff or to win an SEC championship, then until proven otherwise, Alabama is your biggest hurdle. See, but and I agree with that. But if you beat Georgia, which you're going to have to do to win the East, if you beat Georgia, don't you think you have the opportunity then to beat Alabama? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I, we had this conversation and we had actually really good reaction on the on the text line and, and through the phone line is, where where are Florida fans? Like, where are you as a Florida fan? Are you happy with the top ten finish? Are you happy that if you – play Georgia close or does it take beating Georgia does it take an SEC championship does it take a national championship like where are we at in our expectations as a fan base and if you're going to be reasonable I mean I don't even know what that is I, I it's almost like last year exceeded expectations and you look at this year's schedule it's not terrible I don't think Miami is any good so it's not terrible no nah, but it, it's it, I think it's tougher in this sense I think Auburn's going to be pretty Auburn's good. Auburn's going to be good. And you pick up Auburn, you got to go to LSU, 
But you never play well out in Baton Rouge. But you think you split one of those, right? Uh, success is splitting one of those? Yeah, yeah, I would take a one and one split. But then you got to go to Missouri. You got to go to, you know, South Carolina, yep. things like that. Nobody really talks about those games. You got to go to Kentucky, a team that beat you. Those three road games right there. Kentucky uh, lost so much, bro. They did. They did. But if I were to ask you at Kentucky, at Missouri, at South Carolina, the expectation has to be three and up. You think it the expectation? Yes, has to be. If, if if you're still losing those games, then you're not, you're you're not progressing. Right, but look last year. I mean, last year's a perfect example. You're ten and three, huge win over LSU. You destroy Florida State, but two of your losses were at home I, to Missouri and Kentucky. That's the crazy part. No, I understand that, but but the where I'm going with this is we're putting Florida in that same breath as Clemson and Alabama. Those well, teams I, don't lose those games. I think Florida fan is putting them in that same breath. I don't know if that's realistic to do. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the question. You originally right, asked. I, right. 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 So th- those teams don't lose those games. And so for you to be able to call yourself one of the nation's best programs, you can't lose to Missouri. You can't lose to South Carolina. You have to find a way to get through the season with one loss. Vegas has the over-under on Florida wins right now at nine going into And I'll the take the over. You take the over. I'll on take that. the over on that. Right. I'll take because when you look at when you look at it, you okay Georgia, possible loss. They're going to split. It's not a success if they lose to Auburn and LSU. Right. Like nobody's going to be happy with that if they split those two. That where's the next hiccup? It, it's not. It's this, not Miami. It's not Kentucky. I don't think Tennessee's there yet. I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you. What about Florida State? No. No. Not God, at all. No. No. All no. right. No, I, the people in Tallahassee think they're going to be better. The this people year. in Tallahassee always think they're going to be better. They went into last year thinking they were going to win ten games. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean they they did. It was like all of a sudden now Jimbo's terrible and he's what cost him everything. But this time last year they were all telling us we could go to the playoffs. Like I just y'all slow your roll a little bit on that. So, but my my contention is ten and three last year was so good. I think Florida is improving. I think they might even be a better football team this year. I do think the schedule's tougher. I think. You might win nine games this year. It may be a better team than that 10-win team was last season. Oh, I think nine's dead on. I'm just saying if you're making me pick one over or under, yeah. I'm going to pick over. I mean, I think nine is dead on. Uh, but I, 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 I would go the over. I, I think they beat – I think they, they can beat LSU. Um, Auburn is the big – I don't think anybody knows what Auburn is. No, because you don't know about their quarterback. Is Gatewood going to be the quarterback? It's, it's unknown. It's unknown? Yeah. Yeah. Because so they had the one kid transfer, Willis transferred. Yeah, Mal- Sorry, it's Bo or yeah, it's Bo or Joey. So it's Bo, yeah, Bo Nix or, or Joe but Gatewood. Really, I mean, no inside information here. I think they'd be foolish not not to roll Joey. Their first game is against Oregon, mm-hmm. right? And Joey Gatewood gives you, I mean, he's Cam two point and he he just with the defense they have at Auburn and the speed they have at Auburn, um, I I I mean, they would be a dangerous football team. You know, um, with Joey there. We did this on primetime. We talked about the schedules of all the contenders in the SEC. Florida has a tough schedule. But if you look at some of these other schedules, Auburn. like I'll, I'll throw Texas A&M out there. Texas A&M has regular season games against Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Yeah, They play all three of them. Yep. That is insanity. Yep. Never mind the fact a and still has to play Auburn. They still have to play LSU. They still have to play Mississippi State. I mean, uh, Jimbo Fisher, goodness gracious, man. 
Have fun with that. They're the only team in the country that has Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama on their regular season schedule. Well, even and even it's not as bad as that. But even Auburn, they open up with Oregon. Oregon, yeah. You know, in Dallas, and they and, got you well, know Texas A and M. Look at LSU. LSU's got to go to Austin to yeah. play Texas early in September. So Florida, I'm never going to complain about the Gator schedule this year. I do think it's tough. But it's not near as tough no. as what some of their brethren in the SEC are going to face. No, no, not at all. Now, two final things here on Gator Bites. Again, we're with you every week on the 1010XL.com podcast network. You and I have been out at Jaguar uh, OTAs and now minicamp for the last month, basically. A couple of former Gators uh, expected to do big things here in Jacksonville, or at least have much larger roles in Taven Bryan's case. What, if anything, admittedly, without pads on, it is a little difficult, but... We have seen Jawan Taylor out there. We have seen Taven Bryan out there. The one thing I'll say about Taven Bryan is going into his second year after leaving Gainesville, now here in Jacksonville, every time Calais Campbell, the Jaguar leader on that defense, comes onto that practice field, Taven Bryan's no more than five feet mm-hmm. away from him. Mm-hmm. I think Taven Bryan is just following Calais Campbell around, emulating everything Calais Campbell does, which I think is really smart. Because if there's anybody on that defense – that you want to follow and learn from, it would be Calais Campbell. So at least for that regard, I tip my cap to Taven Bryan. Here's what I've gotten out of uh, the OTAs and out minicamp. Taven Bryan is freaking huge. He's a big guy. Yes, he is. Huge. Even out there around big guys, he's big. Um, And he's thick. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you see the height, you see the weight. Yeah, right. But when you look at him, he looks like it. Yeah. Chest to back, it's like, yeah, you better shoot him three times. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's uh it's impressive, and and I noticed yesterday, we talked about this on the sports den last night, the defensive line, the get off is so quick, mm-hmm. and Taven's including that. It's like the whole defensive line because you can't tell anything; they're not in pads. But if you just look at how fast they are reacting to the snap, it's actually really impressive. As far as Juwan Taylor, I, I I got nothing. It's hard because yeah. the O line, and we talk to Leon Searcy about this every day. They're in OTAs and. And during minicamp, the O-line, and you can't hit anybody. There's no pads on. There's no thumping. It's just drills. It's installation. It's learning different things. I mean, maybe you hit a blocking sled well, every once in a while. Well, I don't know enough about the position to know, like, is he mechanically sound? Is he fundamentally sound? Like, I don't know enough about that. So, I'm sure somebody like Leon could go out there and he could say, you know, his steps are right on or whatever. He's working on this or he's, you know, having a false step here. I don't know enough about the position to know that. So I I I, I leave uh, O line play to Leon and Baselli. The one thing I'll say though about Jawan Taylor, I still expect him to start at right tackle for the Jaguars. The only thing that gives me pause about that a little bit though, that's kid Oboyhe, yeah, the former first round pick from Cincinnati, from Texas A and M, who the Jaguars signed this off season for like the veteran minimum. He was a complete bust in Cincinnati. You wonder if the light ever comes on for him. That guy looks like an NFL offensive tackle. Now, he obviously didn't perform like a first-round pick in Cincinnati. That's why they let him go. But maybe Jawan Taylor has got a little more competition there than what maybe we would have thought of a month ago. We're too fresh off of having to get Eric Flowers, another former first-round pick, for me to really get behind a boy. There's your Miami guys right there. Yeah, I I just was like – Last year, that was was that not the perfect summary of what happened last year? Is the very first play of the year is a holding call against Eric Flowers on um, Clayus Campbell Clayus because Campbell. he says he didn't realize he was a power rusher. Like, dude's a mountain. Yeah. And the next, and we're all making fun of it. Next thing we know, he's a starter here in Jacksonville. I've never in my life seen an NFL football team have two starting offensive linemen in week seventeen, 
that they played against in week yeah. one. Yeah. Flowers and Omame were yeah. on the New York Giants week one. They were the starting offensive line for the Jaguars in week 17. I didn't think about that. You're right. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Finally, and I hate to end this on, quite frankly, a horrific story, but, you know, it's Gator-related. This Tony Joyner situation, good grief. Uh, charged with second-degree murder. Uh, his wife uh, was killed, I, I guess, back in 2016. The case had remained cold for a couple of years. Uh, over the last week or so, enough evidence had been gathered that, that Joyner has been charged with second-degree murder. Again, I really don't want to talk much about the case. Quite frankly, I don't know a lot about the case, but what I do know is it's another urban guy, another guy that was there under Urban Meyer's watch, and I've had a lot of Gator fans come up in the last couple of days and ask me, what on earth was Urban Meyer doing down in Gainesville when you had, you know, obviously Aaron Hernandez, and now you have Tony Joyner? That's two guys. One charged with murder, two killers, the other convicted of murder. Two killers and a virgin. Yeah, that that played under that was the team. Urban Meyer. I mean, Tim Tebow. I, I mean, if he wasn't for Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. I mean, two killers and a virgin. Like, that's literally the team. Two killers that we know of. Yeah, and, and Chris Rainey. Chris Rainey sent in text messages to his girlfriend, basically threatening her. I mean, Urban was running a, what looks like to be an insane asylum. Okay, so, I, all right, I had this conversation with CFO Kyle at the uh, at the <laughs> Guggen Open the other day, yeah. and he's, you know, relentless about this stuff. And I said, so, okay, so you're telling me <laughs> he's a big, excuse me. He's a huge, huge, huge Georgia, fan. Georgia Bulldog fan, and in fairness, a Georgia Bulldog alum. Right. He bleeds red and black. So he's, he's ribbing me nonstop about this Monday, and I said, so hold on, you're telling me that should Georgia ever win this national championship that y'all been waiting 40 years for, um, and you find out 10 years later, that there's two murderers. You're not going to claim it? And he's like, no. I'm like, man, you are so full of like, – I, I mean, I'm sure if you did the research and looked, you know, deep into college football history, Florida's not the only program that's had something like this. It, it, it's, it sucks. No, it, it's, it's, the it's, reality a, it's a black sucks. eye, man. But and, – and, and the reality also is, as Florida fans, we ain't blaming Florida, we're blaming Urban. Blame Urban. That's right. And the thing with Tony Joyner is, if memory serves, wasn't there an incident with him, like involving a tow truck or something? He broke into a tow truck company because his car had gotten towed. I remember there was something. Well, that, that Tony... was recent with what's his name with uh, the running back there now. Well, yeah, no, no they had issues. Yeah, with Pirine. Yeah, Pirine with, yeah. with the tow truck driver. But Joyner had something involving a tow truck deal when when he played at Florida. Obviously. Oh, listen, the book's going to be epic. Yeah. When somebody comes out with when somebody comes out with what actually happened on those teams, it's thirty for thirty book whatever it is. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible thing. But again, if you haven't heard, I don't know how you would not have heard about this former Gator safety Tony Joyner, who was a big part let's of the two thousand six national title team, charged with second degree murder. Let's assume they have heard because if they're getting in under recruiting, I would hope they've heard about <laughs> yeah, this. No question. All right, my favorite part of the week here on Gator Bites. You catch Denny Thompson every week with Big Game James Coleman on the Sports Den. That's weeknights on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Denny, what can people look forward to over the next couple of evenings? I'm sure it'll be fun. I have no idea. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> we got the Stanley Cup Game 7, right? That's tonight. Yeah, you got the NBA Finals, uh, Golden State. Now, the cool thing for you guys is you're actually on during these games. So when Golden State and Toronto are going at it, I mean, you're right. They're breaking it all down. Yeah, as no, it's we're happening. really not. You know no? that. You can't pay attention to that. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. But like when Durant goes down with, with the Achilles, the, if you could have yeah. instant no, reaction. No, to no, no. We did on that. Uh, now, how cool could Sunday be? 
Sunday could be one of the best sports days in a long time. You could have you could have Game Seven of the Finals and Tiger in contention, contention in prime time at Pebble Beach. Think about that. By the way, Happy Father's Day. Oh yeah, yeah you too. Your yeah, first one. first time as a yeah, father. Your yeah, first one. Yeah, Father's Day, Tiger in contention, Game Seven. We may have to meet at a cigar bar, bro. Could be a lot of fun. No question about that. Denny, enjoy it, my friend. We'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you guys for listening to Gator Bites right here on the 1010XL.com podcast network.